Today, I'm going to speak on Know Who You Are. Have you ever tried to be something that everybody else wanted you to be? I know I have. <laughs> so I'm going to use myself as an example. I don't suppose any of you want me to use you. Since I only know about myself, really, <laughs> I'll use myself as an example. Anyway, in childhood, you know, there's the parents' expectations. I was a firstborn, so I always had to behave to set an example for my brothers and sisters. And I had a relationship with God from a very early age. So I wanted to please God. And everything my parents told me, I thought, of course, was for true. Now, my father's a minister, and uh, they both were instructors, teachers, and we, my dad was, we traveled, oh my goodness, all over the United States, all of us kids in a little car. I think we had a station wagon, maybe. But dad never stopped on the road. I mean, we're getting where we're going. <laughs> so anyway, um, I never had much difficulty pleasing my parents as a child because I wanted to please God. I loved God and had this relationship. Well, then, you know, you go to school, and what do you have there? Peer relationships and you want to fit in. It never bothered me too much there either because I wanted to please God. <coughs> and even when my dad wrote a note for me not to learn how to square dance in gym, and I had to sit on the side and watch all the other kids, it really didn't bother me. I thought it was like a little strange because I couldn't really see anything wrong with it. But, you know, I wanted to please God and my parents, so that was okay. Then I got married at a real young age. <coughs> and guess what? I wanted to try to please my husband. So in doing that, I had to really become somebody else. I had to become quiet and not very outgoing. Well, how many of you know that's not me? <laughs> when I talk, it's not quiet. <laughs> you can hear me across the room even when I think I'm talking quietly. <laughs> but during that time, I became more into myself. So I was becoming like someone else. And then there was church, people in church, you know. This was back in the 70s, 80s. And boy, I mean, the Spirit of God was moving, you're learning the Word, and you better not ever say something that's not according to the Word, like doubt and unbelief or something like that. Because somebody would throw that scripture at you, 
Well, now that sure didn't help any self-confidence. But I wanted to please God. But this old nature is <laughs> just a little different. Uh, do you ever have that kind of trouble? <laughs> Sometimes uh, you're trying to do what's right, but something just slips out. <laughs> the flesh. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> the flesh. It just kind of comes out. Anyway, don't get me wrong. You do need to be reminded of the word of God, but just don't use it as a weapon. <laughs> Only the spirit of God can use it as a weapon. He speaks of it as a sword, a double-edged sword. But if you try using it to whack people around, <laughs> guess what? It'll just chase them away. Anyway, let God show you how to use the weapon of the word. Sometimes we need to just keep our mouth shut and pray. Pray to God for that person because you don't know what they're going through. But eventually, I found out the only one I really needed to please was God. And he's a lot easier to please, believe you me. <laughs> but that can be very freeing. It can set you free to know, God accepts me. Yeah, he wants me to grow up. and he, But it's his job to grow me up. Isn't that amazing? So I don't even have to worry about really growing up because he's going to help me, right? So he doesn't do it all at once. He doesn't make me go from first grade to 10th grade all at once. In his time, amen. So anyway, that was freeing to me to know. But, you know, you still kind of want to please people. <laughs> but anyway, so today we're talking about know who you are. Okay, who am I? Who are you? So, first of all, we're going to talk about being created in his image. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, and all the verses are in the New King James Version unless I tell you something different. <laughs> so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him, male and female. He created them. You know, you know, in the beginning, man walked and talked and acted like God. You know, when Adam and Eve were first created? But in Genesis chapter 3, it tells us about the fall of man. And sin and death entered into the earth. In verse 11... Um, you know, God was looking for Adam and Eve. They were hiding now after their sin. And just the first part, first part, it says, Who told you that you were naked? Evidently, before that, they were clothed. But what were they clothed with? 
now man may resemble God on the outside except for his glory. But he no longer resembles God on the inside because the spirit man died. Light became darkness like a black hole. You know, a black hole, there's no light. Can't see anything. From what I hear, things are pulled into it. And that's what happens. Instead of being wanting to let our light shine and let the glory of God be there, we come into ourselves. We become selfish. We want what's going to take care of us. We're not going to be thinking about anyone else. But that's what happened when Adam and Eve sinned. They just became this empty hole on the inside. And the glory of God that shone out and covered them was no longer there. So they felt naked. They were naked. Of course, you know the story. They tried to cover themselves. It didn't work very good. <laughs> when we try to cover up, it doesn't work very good. John 3, verse 3. Jesus answered him. We know he's talking to Nicodemus. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, first of all, what's he seeing? He's seeing the glory of God. When we go into heaven, we're going to see the glory of God. But we are in the kingdom of God now once you are born again. And I can't go through all the scriptures. I love to, you know, prove everything I say. But I'd be here for hours. So we'll just go with what we know, okay? So we cannot see the kingdom of God unless we are born again. So when we're born again, we again have the chance to be created in his image, both inside and outside. In the spirit world, they can actually see the glory of God emanating from you. So when you walk along the streets, guess what they see in the spirit world? They see you as a light just walking down the street. That's the glory of God because he resides in you. He, the glory is light. God is light. So when God comes and fills that empty hole that was there that we lost when Adam sinned, then it gets filled up with God and this light, this glory is shining. The place of the spirit in man is actually created for God to dwell in. That empty hole, it's only empty because God's not in there. It was created for God to be in there. 
so that his glory could shine and cover us. A man that has not been born again has this empty void. It's a void. And so what does he try to do? He might try to fill it with pleasure, with love, or even other spiritual beings or powers. That's what the world does. When they don't know Jesus as their Savior, they go after all kinds of things in the world to try to fill that empty spot that's there. But nothing satisfies but God himself because that hole was made for God himself. Our spirit man was made for God. Even as a Christian, if we're not feeding on the word of God, you won't grow. That empty spot, when God comes into it, can grow and grow and grow. It doesn't stay the same size. It can grow so big that it's bigger than we are and we don't even know it. But it'll grow. And sometimes you can be so full of the presence of God you feel you're going to burst. And it's an awesome feeling but sometimes the glory of God can be so strong on it, you have to say, Lord, I can't take anymore. I just can't take anymore right now. I'm so full. But why did he make us so full and so big? So we can touch others. He didn't, he didn't make it just for us, right? He made it for us to become like him and give of ourselves to him. Well, what is God like? So we're going to talk a little bit about what he's like. And, uh, you know, I cannot talk about everything about what God is like. It's going to take a lifetime for you to get to know what God is like. Because just as soon as you think you know him, he shows up some other way to you. And you say, oh, okay, Lord. Well, we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 1 again, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep waters. The NLT says it was formless and empty, just like our spirits when we're not born again. It's just formless and empty nothing there. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Did you know that the Spirit of God hovers over you? Hovers over me? Why? God was creating, going to create something. So God hovered over you. Have you ever felt the Spirit hovering over you? Praise God. He's getting ready to do something. Amen. So, God hovers over you to create you into what God wants you to be. Verse 3, then God said, God spoke something. Let there be light, and there was light. 
We find in the rest of the chapter, everything God created, he said it was good. The light was good. Man was good. Everything was good. So when you're born again, your spirit goes from darkness into light, back the way he wanted it to be. So now we are again in his image, and by speaking words of life, God's words, we can change circumstances into light or good. God changed the circumstances. The earth was null and void, without form. But what happened when God spoke? Life came into it. Light came into it. So we can change circumstances in our lives that's happening to us by speaking the word of God. So what happens if we're not speaking the word of God? We're just emphasizing what's happening. And we all need to be reminded of this. I have to be reminded of it. If any of you heard Philip speaking over me, what did he say? <laughs> he was reminding me to speak the word, the word, the word. Speak it, speak. Okay. So what do you want to create? It's up to you. It's up to me. What do I want to happen in my life? Am I going to speak words of life into it? Or if I, am I going to speak death into it? Let's keep on happening the same old way. Well, it does work. I can tell you by experience that it works. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For it is God, it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I want to read it in the NLT. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. You know, when Jesus was transfigured, his disciples saw him with the glory of God on him. This is what God wants for us, to have that glory on us. Praise God. So we're going to read... Colossians 1.15 He, that is Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over or of all creation. The NLT says Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. We can't see him, right? He is invisible, but Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, 
and is supreme over all creation. So we need to study the life of Jesus Christ, don't we? To know what God is like. Otherwise, how do we get to know what God is like? You know, the world makes up what they think God is like. They make their own gods. But if we truly want to know what God is like, we have to read the scriptures about Jesus. How did Jesus act? How did Jesus do? What did Jesus say? So it would be good to read all the in him scriptures. You know, pastors talked about it. I think that little booklet is given uh, in the newcomer's packet. So we need to read those and get to know who we are supposed to be like. Learn the personality of Christ. And by learning that, we learn the uh, personality of the Godhead. He's there for us. He's not against us. Do you ever feel like someone or something is against you? Well, you know, the devil likes to make us think that God's against us sometimes. It just doesn't turn out the way it's supposed to. Well, it's not because God changed. His personality is the same. It has not changed. So then we need to go to him and say, Lord, what is it? How come I'm not seeing you in the right light? And he'll show us. So we've talked about what is God like. So who am I to be like? Well, we know that's supposed to be like God. But I picked certain verses that I think we need to know specifically today. And nothing here is new. I don't think anything's new. But we're going to read these. Romans 6, verse 11. Likewise, you also... Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we're supposed to be dead to sin, dead to the world. Well, how do we do that? But alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The NLT says, So you should also consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes sometimes. But we don't have to be controlled by the power of sin. The power of sin will cause us to keep doing that over and over and over, right? And you do this one thing wrong and then there's another thing that comes along. You fall trap for that. No, we do not have to be under the power of sin. We, we are dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not allow sin to have power over him. And when we're born again, we don't have to let sin have power over us. 
So what? It's been happening forever and ever and from generation to generation. That doesn't mean us. We're new. We're brand new in Christ, right? He set us free from that. No longer are we bound by sin unless we let it. You see, even after you're born again, you still have a choice. God made man with a free will, a choice. So Romans 8, we're going to read verses 1 through 4. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk after the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm free. Free. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit so now we're going to read it in the NLT so now there is no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus amen I belong to Christ Jesus, so there's no condemnation for me, right? Because I'm made in the image of Jesus. I'm made in the image of God, so there's no condemnation. Each one of us is made in the image of God. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You know, when it when it talks here about the power of sin leading to death, it's talking about death in the sense of what we've allowed that sin to do to us. It's not talking about death losing our salvation, but our rights and privileges are slowly dying if we continue to sin. But God helps us so that we do not sin. Amen? He reminds us. The Holy Spirit will tell you. He'll, he'll, he'll let you know if you're starting to do something that's not right. So do we listen or do we ignore him? We have that ability. Verse 3. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. See, keeping the whole law, we couldn't do it. We had to rely on ourselves. We weren't born again. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God 
declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Amen. If you can't shout over that one, you're dead. <laughs> I have to get like Philip and say, hey, did somebody die in here? I don't think he used those words, but those are mine. Come on, have a little life. We're alive in Christ. Amen? Amen. Okay, where was I? <laughs> Verse 4, am I on 4? Okay. He did this so the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Because he gives us the ability to follow it. If we're trying to do it in our own strength or in the flesh, we'll fail. But praise God, there's the verse that says, okay, if I sin, I can come to God and ask forgiveness. And what does it, you're right, what does he do? He forgives us immediately. Does he say, well, I'll let you think about that for a while and maybe two weeks I'll forgive you. You just suffer a little while. Nah, he's not that kind of a God, is he? He forgives us right away. And right away we can continue doing what we know we're supposed to do. We don't have to grovel around and say, oh, woe is me, I did this. No, that's just giving Satan more power. The law is good. But because man was in the flesh and not born again, he could not measure up to the law and become righteous. There's no way by trying to keep the law could he become righteous. But praise the Lord, we can now by following the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ makes us righteous. Amen? Amen. Right away, we're in right standing with God. Colossians 3.15, we're going to do this one in the Amplified. And let the peace, which is soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule or act as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds. In that peaceful state to which as members of Christ's one body you were also called to live, and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. Let that peace of God rule your hearts. If in your spirit you are totally unsettled and you are not at peace, something's wrong. And you come to God and say, God, sometimes you'll know it anyway what it is. But if you don't, ask him, why am I feeling anxious inside of me, Lord. What's going on here? And he will help you. 
and that peace of God will lead you in the path that you're supposed to go. You don't have to worry whether you're taking the right path because you let the peace of God guide you. Where am I going? Should I do this? Should I do this? If you're getting a stop sign on the inside, you know that's the wrong way. Don't go that way. <laughs> Even if you think, oh, well, I have done this, and so now I'm committed. No, if you don't have peace, repent of it and go God's way. He'll show you the right way. Amen? Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Now the emphasis here is on agreement, unity, harmonizing, blending together. Jesus is present if we are in unity. But the name of Jesus is not just a catch-all phrase or a lucky charm. You can't just come together and say, oh, in Jesus' name, do this, do that, do that. If you are not in unity with one another, you can say Jesus all you want, and it's not going to work. You know, in some, some cultures and countries, They'll use the cross. Oh, if I just use the cross, I wear the cross, the devil won't come after me. You can't come after that cross. Well, that's just a lucky charm. It doesn't work. It won't work. The, the devil will just laugh at you because you don't know who you are. And if you're sinning and not following after God, then you have no rights to the name of Jesus. But the name of Jesus is powerful. And when you're in unity and when you're together as a corporate body and you're all in unity, man, what things can happen. The devil doesn't want to stay around when he sees a group like that. He may try. Somebody might let him in. But guess what? You start praising and worshiping God together in unity and you lift up the name of Jesus, that devil's going to run. Amen? Do you believe that? All right. Praise God. Matthew 14, 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. And he was moved with compassion for them. And he healed their sick. Over and over in the scriptures, you will find that Jesus was moved with compassion. And he healed their sick and provided for their needs. 
what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be moved by compassion, moved by love. Amen? So what did Jesus tell us to do? A couple more verses here. John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Well, what do you think the world thinks if they come into your congregation and they just see people bickering? You know, you can feel that in the spirit when people are bickering and they're not really in unity. You can feel that. Have you ever walked into a place where a couple just been arguing and fighting and it just, you can feel it in the air? Well, that's not what we want for people to feel and sense. We want them to feel the peace of God that passes all understanding, the love of God that's just emanating out from us. Amen? We want the Spirit of God to be moving in and through us. So that's how they're going to recognize us by our love for one another. John 15, 9 through 12. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. See, Jesus did what the Father did. He had to abide in God's love in order to do the work that he did on the earth. Verse 11, these things, have, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. He wanted us to have joy. <laughs> and that your joy may be full. What happens when your joy is full? <laughs> it just spills out, doesn't it? I don't know. If, if you're really full of joy, you can't stop from smiling. You can't stop from telling somebody else why I'm so happy today. Why? Because, well, the joy of the Lord fills us to overflowing. Now, there's a difference between God's joy and happiness. You know, some people, you know, I used to get this kind of mixed up. If I'm not happy, how can I be full of joy? <clears throat> and you go around confused because I sure don't feel happy. So where's the joy? <laughs> but you can have joy even when circumstances do not make you happy. Because the joy 
is what God puts down in the depths of your heart. And joy will spring up from your spirit, and before long you'll actually get happy (laughs) because you're thinking about the goodness of God, how God is taking care of you, how God is doing this or doing that for you. God is my all in all. So why should I be unhappy because of what's happening externally when I'm full of God on the inside, his presence is full inside of me. Why shouldn't I be happy? I love it when Brother Hagin talks about, you know, the devil comes along and talks to him and he just starts laughing at the devil. The devil asks him, what you laughing about? I'm laughing at you. (laughs) You know, the devil was trying to tell him he was going to die. This time I wasn't going to, he wasn't going to get healed. So he just, Brother Hagin just laughs and laughs. He says, I didn't feel like laughing. My body was having all kinds of symptoms, but I just started laughing at him. And after two or three times of the devil just you know, what you laughing at? I'm laughing at you. And before you know it, he finally started really laughing. I mean, it wasn't an effort to laugh because the joy of the Lord just sprung up within him. And that's what God wants. And it gives us power. The joy of the Lord gives us power. It'll spring up from within our spirit. We don't have to like pretend you know sometimes we have to start in the flesh so to speak we laugh you know even because we're not really happy but you know gonna laugh but eventually if you're laughing for the right reason the joy of the Lord will become so strong in you that it's gonna break those barriers whatever's happening there Verse 12 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus has some parting words. In Mark 16, 15 through 18. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. You know, you can't just parrot some words. You have to believe. And these signs will follow those who believe. If you really believe, these signs are going to follow you. So check up on your believing. Okay, in my name, they will cast out demons when the occasion arises. I mean, if a demon's not there, don't go looking for one. Amen? Praise God. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They 
will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So there's no way I'm not going to try to preach on every item in this thing, but I'll touch on the laying on of hands. <laughs> Jesus is our example. He had compassion and love when he ministered to the sick. He was in unity with the Father, and he only did what the Father told him to do. So don't think you can just go into the hospital and pray for every person. and, and t Unless God tells you to do something like that, you're going to fall flat on your face, right? You have to be led by the Spirit of God. Notice that when hands are laid on the sick, it says they will. That's no ifs, ands, or buts. They will recover. <coughs> recover can mean over a period of time, right? It doesn't mean that it happens instantly. Sometimes it happens instantly, and sometimes it happens over a period of time. So what do we do? We keep believing. If we stop believing, what happens? I didn't move. <laughs> if, if we um, stop believing two or three days out, six months out, then what happens? We just nullified our faith. Jesus never stopped believing. When he spoke it, he believed it. Now we have a new nature or personality. God has created me and you to be unique. There's not one person the same as the other, is there? Not even twins are the same. <laughs> we are to be like Christ, but all of us together make up the body of Christ on the earth. Some traits you're born with, but God wants us to fine-tune those traits and wants us to become more like Jesus. We are not to try to be like somebody else. We are free to be ourselves, but not follow after the flesh. We're to follow after Christ. We have to be confident in who we are. Confident. We have to be bold. I know who I am in Christ. And if you know who you are in Christ, you can overcome anything. Because the greater one lives in you, right? We have to be confident in who we are, or Satan will know that we're bluffing. And guess what? He doesn't have to obey us if we're bluffing. God needs all of our different personalities to bring in the harvest for the kingdom of God. 
he needs each and every one of us. We each touch someone a little bit different. It can be very freeing to know we don't have to be like somebody else. When ministering to someone else, we're to be like Jesus, and he was all things. We are to be compassionate and loving and bold. He never backed down on anything. The Holy Spirit is there to help us. Ask him for his help. Listen and do what he tells you to do in every circumstance because, because each one is different. If you're laying hands on someone, you don't do it the same way every time. You better listen to the Holy Spirit if you want results because God knows what will work for that person. He already knows. He has the plan. And if we're willing to listen, he'll tell us the plan. Our goal should be, when we stand before God, that we hear the words, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen? Isn't that our goal? And nothing should stop us from reaching that goal. We don't have to please anyone else. All we have to do is please God. Amen?